Thank you, Pastor Jason. Thank you, Lizzie. No longer Queen Hall, but you will always be the Hall Queen to me. So thank you for that. My wife's joke. Appreciate you, babe. Hey, before we get into the word this after or this morning, um, I just want to reiterate something that Pastor Ariel had mentioned in regard to the annual business meeting on March 16th. There's a lot of, lot of really cool things that we're going to be highlighting and celebrating that God has done in the past year. And uh, one of those is, is part of why I want to encourage you, even if you're not a member, to come at around 1130, like we said, for our youth and children's international market. And, and here's why. Uh, we want to support what they're doing when it comes to missions. And I firmly believe that that next generation we have in this church is spearing generosity throughout the entirety of the church. And here's why I believe it. Our children's department, I just want to brag on them for a little bit. Our children's department, when it comes to missions given for BGMC, they've been in the top two in the state for the last five years in a row. Just absolutely killing it, going above and beyond. They've been clearing almost 12 to 15 grand a year. And again, I mean, if you're, if you're a children's ministry, my little girl just, where's the Dano sisters? They come up to me and just, I don't carry cash on me anymore just because of how cute they are when they come up to me. And then uh, our youth department this year, and I was a little jealous. I'm not going to lie, I was a little jealous about this because we never did this when I was a youth pastor. But our youth department this year ended up being in the top 50 of the entire nation when it comes to missions giving. They were number 47. Just under $45,000 they raised last year for missions. And I'm telling you, I, I know that list. I know a lot of them churches. A lot of them churches just sign some checks and send it in. And I don't I mean, get the money how you can get the money, right? We, our missionaries need to go. But at the same time, I saw our youth department really sacrificially give and do what they can to raise money. And so I just want to continue to support that because uh, that leaks up to us. And there's some more that we're going to celebrate that God is doing throughout the entirety of the church as we get closer to that. But I just wanted to take a moment to highlight that. And on that note, welcome back our youth pastor, Pastor Izzy Marty. I want you to wait for the people. <laughs> In case you didn't know, Pastor Izzy had been away for about seven weeks uh, in a new job in the, in the military. He is now a chaplain's assistant and he had to go to chaplaincy school essentially for the last seven weeks. And so we very, very much miss you, um, especially in staff. That's always fun to have Pastor Izzy in staff. But uh, thank you for, for what you're doing, Pastor Izzy. We're proud of you and we're so grateful to have you back home. Uh, today, we're kind of wrapping up a series we've been in over the last several weeks uh, called With Everything. And it's based on a passage of scripture in the book of Luke. If you have your Bibles, open up to Luke chapter 10. And we've been talking about this, this famous verse. You see it in Deuteronomy. And it's something that the, the Israelites were trained to memorize. One of the most important things is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength, with all your soul. And, and, and Jesus here reiterates it, or at least the, a man of religious law reiterates it. And Jesus confirms it. And it says, one day an expert of religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus replied, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? The man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. Right, Jesus told them, do this and you will live. A couple of weeks ago, we started this series 
with the most important thing. What does it mean to love the Lord your God with everything in you, with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength? What does that look like? And we came to the understanding that it's almost impossible to do it in and of ourselves, but through Jesus, we are able to accomplish what's impossible to do in our own strength and our own abilities. And then last week, we talked about the importance of loving your neighbor and how the Bible tells us if you claim to love God and you don't love your neighbor, then you're a liar. And so we have to love our neighbor, whether we like them or not, we are called to love our neighbor. And it's important for us to do that if we're going to continue to say that we love God. And then this last portion is something that I really wanted to chime in. It kind of sparked this when I was reading this a few uh, weeks ago. And it's this understanding of being able to love yourself. Because if the scripture says that we are to love God with all that and love your neighbor as yourself, well, if I don't love myself, then how can I love my neighbor? If I can't love me, and listen, this is what I feel and this is what I believe. A lot of people who are mean and hateful and and just that kind of person where you can tell there's no love in them for anybody. If you really examine them most of the time, it's because they don't love themselves and they're projecting now on other people. But here's something I want to make sure I do before we jump in. I think it's important to distinguish what we mean by loving yourself. Because it's not what the world means. Okay, biblically loving yourself is different from what the world says about loving yourself. As a matter of fact, look at what scripture warns us about in 2 Timothy chapter 3. But mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves. Lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, having, have nothing to do with such people. And so I think the problem we have sometimes is when we think about uh, loving yourself, we think it in terms of what the world does, which is really self-affirmation. When the world says to love yourself, what they're really talking about is self-affirming no matter what. Someone can be you know, sleeping around with half the world and hey, listen, don't judge them as long as they love themselves and they're not hurting anybody, they can do what they want. They're hurting themselves. You're being selfish and greedy. Don't worry about it. Just just love yourself. You're you're confused about your identity. Don't worry about it. As long as you love yourself, you're, you're struggling in your personal growth and responsibilities. Who cares as long as you love yourself? You feel bad about being a lukewarm Christian. Don't feel bad. Just just love yourself. And so what happens in the world's viewpoint of loving yourself, it's a cop out. It's a way to not have to deal with the things that aren't where they need to be. It's acting as if there is no room for improvement and as if you are perfect exactly the way you are. I heard a comedian talk about it one time where, you know, there's this thing that like, we're all beautiful. I mean, (laughs) you know, like when you see a real beautiful person, like they're beautiful. (laughs) Like I look at my kid, I'm like, they're beautiful. And then I look in the mirror, I'm like, I'm all right. (laughs) I mean, I made them. So there's a little bit of me in that. You know what I mean? And so we we get into this concept where where I feel like we're we're completely delusional now. And again, I'm not saying hate yourself because the problem is because the world paints us as self-affirming, we swing to the other side of the pendulum and now we're we're self, 
defecating. We would just hate ourselves. We just completely, ugh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna completely disdain. I'm gonna do the opposite of loving myself. And sometimes we do that in, in joking manner, right? Where somebody gives you a compliment and, and you know, oh, you look good today. It's like, no, I look terrible. It's like, just take a compliment, bro. Like it's not, it's not that big of a deal right now. And so, you know, it's, it's that kind of thing when somebody compliments like a jacket you're wearing or, or your new shoes. And I don't know if it's a Midwest thing, but we automatically have to tell you well, we got it on sale or it was a gift. And if somebody got this for me, this wasn't me. Like it's just automatically we're like, we just can't take a compliment. We just can't love ourselves. And so I don't think either one of those pendulums is right. I think it's, it's really somewhere in the middle as Christians We should acknowledge the reality of our circumstances and the real world that we live in. We make mistakes. We sin. We have regrets. We hurt and we have been hurt by others. And it's not self-betrayal to acknowledge those things and try to change. There's nothing wrong with that. Biblically, loving yourself is about understanding that the love we need most, we cannot give ourselves. Loving yourself biblically is the understanding that the love you need the most cannot come from just you. But if we lean into God's love for us, we will then grow in our understanding and capability to love ourselves. Similar to how we learn from our parents' love. There there were some studies that I was looking up. Let me just read this to you real quick. In 2010, researchers at Duke University Medical School found that babies with very affectionate and attentive mothers grew up to be happier, more resilient, and less anxious adults. The study involved about 500 people who were followed from when they were infants until they were in their 30s. When the babies were eight months old, psychologists observed their mother's interactions with them as they took several developmental tests. Then, 30 years later, those individuals were interviewed about their emotional health. The adults whose mothers showed extravagant or caressing affection were much less likely than others to feel stressed and anxious. They were also less likely to report hostility, distressing social interactions, and psychosomatic symptoms. The researchers involved in this study concluded that the hormone oxytocin may be responsible for this effect. Oxytocin is a chemical in the brain released during times when a person feels love and connection. It has been shown to help parents bond with their children, adding a sense of trust and support between them. This bond most likely helps our brain produce and use oxytocin, causing the child to feel more positive emotions. When you are loved, it is easier than to love yourself. When someone loves you, and and, and not just every once in a while, but when you feel the constant love of someone, that aids in the development of your love for yourself. And when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, the Bible tells us that we are new creations. That's where the term born again comes in, right? We are a new creation, and now we are learning not just how to love, but who love is by its very definition. No matter what trauma you grew up in, no matter how little or how much your parents may have loved you, no matter how much love you feel like you might have lacked, when you understand God's love for you, it's much easier to love yourself. Listen, I'm going to be very transparent. I think a lot of us in this room have have very good reasons why it's difficult to love ourselves. And I'm not dismissing any of the things that you have dealt with growing up. 
I'm not dismissing any of the trauma that you may have experienced. I'm not dismissing some of the stuff that you've had to see and go through. You have every reason to feel the way that you do. All I'm saying is, once Jesus comes into the picture, you have reason, but you no longer have excuse. Because with Jesus now, you have an opportunity to be rewired and begin a new understanding, not just of parental love, but of a greater love that's ever been in your life. That's why if we are going to love ourselves, we first have to understand God's love for us. So if you're taking notes, I'm going to go through the same things we went through the last couple of weeks. Heart, mind, soul, strength. We're going to go through all those. And the first one I want to touch on is heart. Loving yourself with all your heart starts with understanding how God feels about you. Again, we we have this picture sometimes uh, because we tend to be self-deprecating, because we tend to put ourselves down. We have this picture sometimes in our mind that God's always mad at us. Every time we mess up, every time we mess up, we just think, well, God hates me. God's mad at me. God's going to reject me. Why? Maybe that's how it's been in your life. Maybe every time you got in trouble, people told you to go away and and people told you they didn't want to be your friend anymore. And, And you have this understanding that love is fleeting. And when you mess up too much, love is taken away but you need to understand the kind of love that God has for you is not the kind of love that anyone else on this planet has ever had for you I love what Jeremiah 31 3 said this verse is so great the Lord appeared to us in the past saying I have loved you with an everlasting love I have drawn you with my unfailing kindness way back in the past God said and I've already loved you before you were even born I loved you Before I knit you together in your mother's womb, I loved you. And I love you with an everlasting love. How long is that going to last? Ever. (laughs) Right? I will love you forever. There will never be a time where you will not be loved by God. Well, what if I mess up? Everlasting love. What if I turn my back on him? Everlasting love. Isaiah 54.10 tells us, For the mountains may depart and the hills will be removed But my steadfast love shall never depart from you, and my covenant of peace shall not be removed, says the Lord, who has compassion on you. Do you understand how incredibly loved you are by God? I mean, he doesn't just like you. He is head over heels for you. He is madly, deeply, passionately in love with you. 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. See how very much our Father loves us? For he calls us his children, and that is what we are. But the people who belong to this world don't recognize that we are God's children because they don't know him. Listen, God loves you because you're his, because you're his children. The same way you love your children, the same way I love my children. Again, I I remember, they always said this to me, and I've always remembered, and if you don't have children, you might be hearing this a lot, but they always tell you, Your understanding of God's love shifts when you have a kid. How many would agree with that, right? Your understanding of God's love shifts when you have a kid. Because when that kid comes into your world and suddenly you are overwhelmed. I'm like, I just met this baby and I am overwhelmed with the sense that I will die for you. And yet my God actually did it for me. And when I hold this child and listen, you know, I was giving Luke a bath the other day. Peed all over me. I'm like, yeah, that's... But it never bugged. He's my kid. If you did that, different issue. <laughs> this is my kid. And so I don't care what happened. He's mine. 
You know what I'm talking You ever see parents who just wipe their kid's nose and just, just like, ugh. Like, if you're not the parent, like, that's gross. But when you're the parent, you're like, listen, I've seen every bodily fluid this kid has already. None of it phases me. And then I think about that with my Lord and all the sin he's wiped off my face and all the times he's picked me up. And every time, listen, I don't care how messed up my kid has been. My kids go through it all the time where they're crying. And, and Cease will tell you, I'm the worst. They know I'm the soft one. Because if they're brought, come here, babe. I just want to embrace you. Why? Because you're mine. And I need you to understand that God's heart for you will never not be loving. And God will never love you more. And God will never love you less. God is love. And so you are loved at the very capacity that it could ever be. There is no more love that God can have for you. So you can't earn more of God's love. You can't do anything that makes God love you more. And though by that very definition, you can't do anything that makes God love you less. God loves you at the very extreme of love. And part of it, I need you to understand, if God loves you so much, don't you think his desire would be that you can start to feel the same way? To be able to feel that same love for you. The second thing is not only a feeling, it's not only a heart, but how do we love ourselves with all our soul? Loving yourself with your soul means unburdening it. Often our soul is weighed down by guilt, shame, sin. This weighs even more on the soul when we hide our sins, when we hide away from God. You look at Adam and Eve and they walked in the cool of the day with God, they had relationship with God. But the second sin entered into the world, what do they do? They hide from God. It's hard for you to love yourself with all your soul when your soul is burdened, when your soul is heavy. There's an old saying, it's an old Scottish uh, parable, or not parable, but saying that says, confession is good for the soul. Unburdening yourself, taking it off your shoulders. And there's biblical truth to that. In James chapter five, verse 16, it says this, therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Or another translation is the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Well, how do we become righteous? How do we get in right standing with God when we unburden our soul? When we confess, when we admit, I, I messed up. I'm not okay. And oftentimes, you know, we, we keep just throwing it on ourselves, throwing it on ourselves because we're not willing to just let it go, to, to confess, to admit, and then to realize that God didn't throw it back in your face. When I, when I talked to you, Lord, and I admitted to you and I confessed and I repented, God didn't throw it back in my face. I often think of uh, the kings of Israel, uh, Saul and David, and I, I don't have time to go into all of it, but uh, Saul was the first king of Israel and then Saul disobeys God and God removes him from the throne and, and Saul really suffers a lot for it. And then God raises up David to take his place and David sits on the throne and while David's on the throne, he commits adultery and murder. He, he sleeps with a married woman and to cover it up, kills her husband, thinks he gets away with it. And then the prophet of God comes and confronts him with it. Now, in my eyes, David did worse than Saul. I'm like, why, why, how come David gets to sit on the throne, but Saul got away with it? That's where I was thinking, I remember when I was looking at it. And then the Lord reminded me, one was repentive, the other wasn't. One was willing to seek the Lord in forgiveness. See, 
The problem with our souls being heavy is not that they're heavy, it's that we're unwilling to unburden them. We're unwilling to confess to the Lord and say, I messed up because of fear of punishment, because of fear of judgment, because if I can say fear that he may not love you anymore, as if God doesn't already know what you did. Again, it's, it's like a child playing hide and seek standing behind a pole. It's like, oh, where are you? God knows exactly where you are. And again, the unburdening is for you. When our soul is downcast, it becomes a slippery slope. We start making compromises. We start compounding bad decisions. We start to crack under pressure. If you want to feel your soul lightened, unburden yourself. Answer that. That's the Lord's call upon your life. Thank you, Jesus. Listen, we got to remove the barriers that we create between us and God. We were just singing, the veil is torn, right? God removed the barrier. When you are unwilling to unburden yourself, when you hide sin and hide yourself, you're just rebuilding that veil. You're just creating another barrier between you and God. So if we can learn to do that, guess what? It's a lot easier to love yourself. You ever just like, I mean, I've had this a bunch of times where there's something weighing on you, something you just got to say or do. You're just anxious about it. And then the day you finally do it, it's like a thousand pounds came off your shirt. Like it's done. Like it was a hard thing to do, but it's done. That's what it feels like to love yourself with all your soul. When you have nothing to hide before the Lord and there's this freedom of my spirit and the spirit of God intertwining. So we got to love God with all our heart, or sorry, we got to love ourselves the way God loves us. We got to unburden our soul so that there's no barrier. And then the third thing I want to tackle is how to love God or yourself with all your strength. Loving yourself with your strength is kind of an interesting thing because it might be the opposite of what you think. It's learning how to find rest in the Lord. So we, we equate strength, not with rest, but listen to me for a second. Consider weight training. Anybody who lifts weights in here, you'll understand. As you push through weight resistance, your muscle fibers tear apart. And it's when you rest that those fibers are given time to repair and grow stronger. Without that time of rest and repair, what you actually do is hurt yourself. You might tear a muscle. You might uh, tear a ligament. You will hurt yourself without proper rest. And so it's important, and you can ask anybody who works out, that they do, all right, today I'm going to do back, and then the next day I'm going to do legs. They do different parts of their body because it's not that, well, it's only legs today. It's no, no. While my legs are being worked out, my biceps are resting and growing. And it's in that growth that we find strength. Some of us struggle to love ourselves because we're pushing at a pace that's unsustainable. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 28 and 31. Have you heard? Have you never understood? I'm sorry, have you never heard? Have you never understood? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of all the earth. He never grows weak or weary. No one can measure the depths of his understanding. He gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. Even youths will become weak and tired and young men will fall in exhaustion. But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Listen, something changes when you start getting around that 30, right? 
Some of y'all are 25. I was like, man, are you a... Edwin's like the oldest man in the youngest body. Like, if you know Edwin, <laughs> Edwin's been in bed by 8.30 with a cup of mucinol since he was 16. Like, he's just an old man. Okay? But, but there's something that, you know, you ever had that thing where your, your spirit is willing, but the body's like, homie, that's not us no more. <laughs> we can't run with them no more. You're like, yeah, I can. And the body's like, no, you cannot. <laughs> okay? There, there's a part in that. But I'm not just talking about physical strength. I'm talking about, you want to love yourself? Give yourself a break. Figure out how to rest. And not just rest in general, because it's not just about playing video games and, and watching a movie and just taking a nap. Those are fantastic. I mean, I am so looking forward to getting home this afternoon and having that beautiful Sunday nap. Hey, the best sleep on the planet is right at that one, two, three o'clock, that window Sunday nap. Mm, beautiful. You know what I'm talking about. It's fantastic. I'm looking forward to it. But you can rest and not rest in the Lord. And so we hear things like, Pastor, I can't come this Sunday because it's my only day off. Maybe that's why you should come. Is it a chore for you to worship God and to receive a word? It shouldn't be. It should be the very rest that you need where you just sit and receive. And, and yeah, we're participating. Yes, we're serving. We're doing all types of things. But it should never be a burden to get in the presence of God. You want to love yourself, find rest in the Lord. Yes, it's good to charge your batteries, go on vacation, say no to some things. And can I just be very transparent with you? I'm preaching to me. I'm the worst. This is the worst of all of them. This is me. And you can talk to my wife she knows I will run, 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 run. And then the one day off, I'll fall apart. It's just for a day. And then I completely fall apart. I'll get sick. And then I'll wake up the next day and keep going. And she'll be like, you're, you know, you're going to kill yourself. I'm like, ah, oh, those are like bad old years. I don't even want those years. Like, I'm going to live it up right now. You know, I'm going to be eating applesauce by myself in a room. Like, and I say that to assuage her. But what is she saying? It's not just you. It's us. It's your ministry. It's what's going on. So, so I've learned to pace myself a little bit more. Why? Because if I love myself, then I need to slow down a little bit. If I love myself, then I need to know what works for me to find rest. Listen, and, and everybody's different, so please don't misunderstand. Some of you, you got to go 100 miles an hour. Otherwise, you don't feel like you're functioning well. But you got to find rest that works for you, too. So it might be working out, it might be reading a book, it might be listening to a song, whatever. Like, you got to find rest. But none of those will ever be a substitute for finding rest in the Lord. There was a story I heard the other day, and I absolutely loved it, about two lumberjacks that woke up every day, they worked together, they would start cutting wood at the same time, and they would end their day cutting wood at the same time. And they would do this every single day. But one of the lumberjacks around the middle of the day would disappear for an hour. And he would come back and he would finish chopping wood. And that one who disappeared for an hour always ended up chopping more wood than the other one. And so uh, the other lumberjack kind of frustrated. He goes, listen, I don't understand. How is it we start at the same time, we end at the same time, you disappear for an hour, and while you're gone, I'm still chopping wood. So how do you end up with more wood than I do? What do you do? He said, oh, that's easy. I go home and sharpen my axe. Some of you, you just got to go home and sharpen your axe. Some of you, listen, you're serving, 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 but you never receive. 
So you're serving 100 miles an hour. You think you're doing God's work. But if you keep pouring out, you're going to eventually run out if you're never pouring in. You want to love yourself with all your strength? Make sure you have some. Make sure you take time and sharpen your axe. My last one, I think is probably the most important one or the most difficult one, depending on how you look at it. How do you love yourself with your mind? I think the mind is probably the greatest battlefield we have. The mind is what often convinces us that we're not worthy of love, that no one will love us, not even God, that what love you have, you'll lose. To love yourself, you got to think about you the way God does. You know, I've, I've said this to my wife, but I think it's very true. Think about the person you love the most on this planet, right? Your child, your spouse, your parent, whoever is in your life, somebody that you love so very much. And I've said this to my wife. If somebody talked about you, Cicely, the way you talk about yourself, I'd punch them in the mouth. If somebody talked about your loved one, the way they talk about themselves, or somebody outside, right, talked about you the way you talk about you, it would offend the people who love you the most. We gotta be careful on how we view ourselves. The, the problem is we know ourselves better than anybody else. We know our secrets. We know our hidden sins. We know our thought life. And so we look at all that. We go, well, how can I love that? You think God doesn't know all that about you too? You think God doesn't remember it better than you do? But listen to what the Psalms say. Psalm 139, verse 17 and 18. How precious are your thoughts about me, O God? They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up, you're still with me. Some of us feel like, man, if people knew the real me, I wouldn't have any friends. If people knew the real me, no one would love me. But God knows the real you. As a matter of fact, in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 17 and 19, I pray that Christ will live in your hearts by faith and that your life will be strong in love and be built on love. And I pray that you and all God's holy people will have the power to understand, right? It's a mind thing. The greatness of Christ's love, how wide and how long and how high and how deep that love is. Christ's love is greater than anyone can ever know, but I pray that you will be able to know that love. Then you can be filled with the fullness of God. I love this prayer. Christ's love is more than anyone could ever know, and yet I pray that you would know it. Not just feel it, but on a cognitive level, do you understand that God loves you? Do you understand that God knows all the sins in your life? And while we were still sinners, God demonstrated his love by dying on the cross for you. But there was never a point where God looked at you and go, oh, he did that? Oh, she said what? No. It's always been, I love you. But God, you don't know. I know exactly what you did. I know exactly why you did it. I know it better than you know it. And I still choose to love you. And it's not just a love of, of words, but it was a love of action on the cross. Worship team, if you can help me out. To love yourself is a challenging thing. I'll admit it. I struggle with it. It's hard to, to love ourselves when we know the things we've done. It's hard to love ourselves when we've never been loved by other people. I get that. 
But I want to go back to what we talked about earlier about the reason God loves us, and part of it is because we're his children. And I was touching on this a little bit, but I, I thought about it. You know, there are times where I'm not happy with my children. There are times where I'm upset with my children because they're not listening, because they're being mean. I mean, <laughs> I was having a, a back and forth. We picked up my four-year-old, or picked up all my kids, but my four-year-old hadn't had a nap. It was already late. And she was refusing to sit in her car seat. And she's all the way in the back seat. And so she said, I'm not sitting down. I'm like, you sit down. I'm like, what are we going to do? Like, and so we're having this whole back and forth argument. Now, she knows that the seatbelt is for safety and, and she would freak out. If, so what do I do? I put that thing in drive a little bit. And I just, I was like, I'm going to drive without your seatbelt. No. And I, so I started moving a little bit. And this morning, she said, remember when you tried to drive away without my seatbelt? <laughs> I was like, I'll do it. <laughs> I'll do it to you. But, but you know, she, she, all my kids, I mean, tell me, people are like, oh, I can't believe you talk about your kids. You act like your kids don't drive you nuts. We've all been there. We've driven our parents nuts. But here's the thing. My kids, they can have all the tantrums all day. They can just be crazy and disrespectful and throw things and all types of stuff. But if in the middle of the night, my kid is scared and crawls into my bed and gets under my arms. There is no way I would ever reject them. I'm not going to go, hey, hey, well, listen, all of a sudden you want to love me? Remember today when you were this, when you were that? <laughs> right. We do that to older folks. <laughs> we might even do that to our spouses. <laughs> but when it comes to our children, when you realize that they need you, you just hold them. You just hold them. It's so funny how quickly they forget too. Because they're not thinking, well, you know, especially at my kid's age where they're, you know, months until four years old. They're not thinking, well, I can't go into bed because they were mad at me today and, and they, they punished me and, and I did it. No, no, no. They know when I need to be loved, when I need to be hugged, when I need to be protected, I can go into my father's arms and he will not reject me, but he will wrap me close. 1 John chapter 4, verse 16 through 19. So we have come to know and to believe. I love that it says both of those. Because some of you know, but you don't believe. And some of you believe, but you don't know. And this idea that we've come to means it's a journey. It's a journey to love yourself. Because it's a journey to learn about God's love for you. We've come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. Church, can I just say that's my prayer for you this morning? That you would come to learn and believe just how much God loves you. God is love. And whoever abides in love abides in God. And God abides in him. By this is love perfected with us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment because he, as he is also, we are in this world. I'm sorry, we have confidence for the day of judgment because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out all fear. For fear has to do with punishment and whoever fears 
has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. You know why you can love yourself despite the abuse, the trauma, the lack of whatever baggage you're carrying? You can love because he loved you first. And I know that passage goes on to describe our love for others, but I'm telling you that I believe it also has the caveat of being able to love yourself because that's how we're called to love others as ourselves. I don't know how to love myself. Well, learn how God loves you and do that. How does God treat you? With grace? Then give yourself some grace. How does God treat you? With kindness? Then be kind to yourself. You know, God doesn't let you off the hook with things. God doesn't just pretend like something's not happening. You know God will not ignore those things. God loves you through it all. I think some of you forgot that. You forgot just how amazingly loved you are. And I pray that this morning you would be reminded, not by me, but that the Holy Spirit would remind you just right now that you are so incredibly loved that even though in the flesh Christ didn't want to lay his life on the cross, he said, not my will, but your will be done. Would you stand with me? The ultimate demonstration of God's love was on the cross where he gave his life so that he can have an opportunity to have a relationship with the ones he loves. And I'll remind you, as scripture says, that the way he endured the pain and the suffering of the cross was for the joy set before him. Meaning, he looked forward into this moment, into the opportunity of having a relationship with the ones he loves. And he said, it's worth it. As any father or mother would lay down their life for their children, our heavenly father gave his one and only begotten son so that whoever would believe in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. So I'm going to ask you to close your eyes for just a moment. I want to pray with the church in just a moment. But if you're here and you've never received that love from God, you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. We talked about the reason God loves us is because we are his children. Well, scripture says that only those who have accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior have the honor and the privilege of being considered children of God. And so if you've never made that decision or, or maybe you did some time ago, but the truth is you've walked away from God and, and you've almost felt like God will never take you back. But today I'm here to remind you that there is never too far gone while there's breath in your lungs and a heartbeat in your chest where the God won't receive you again. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here and say, Pastor, that's me. I want to connect with God again. I, I want to give my life. I want to experience the love that we talked about this morning. Then all you gotta do is lift up your hand and we're gonna pray with you. The Bible is clear. If you confess with your mouth, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Christ is Lord, then you are saved. So if that's you, would you lift up your hand? I wanna pray for you. Thank you, brother. Anyone else says, that's me, pastor. Thank you, brother. Anyone else? I just wanna give you a moment before we pray for the church. Thank you, brother appreciate you. Can you keep your hand up those men that lifted up? 
Can I get a man to come over by each one of them, one of our prayer guys? Pastor, if you can help me out here. Can I get gentleman in the back? Thank you. Church, can we pray with these men? Listen, just... You know, it's so hard for a man in today's age to admit that he needs love. And I, it doesn't pass me that in this moment, every person that raised their hand was a man. And man, you need to know that God loves you with an everlasting love. And that love is not a feminine feeling, but it is God himself. So church, would you pray with me all together? Say, Jesus, I come to you humbly asking that you would forgive me of all my sins. Remove anything that would be offensive to you and open my heart to receive your love and to know it and to believe it in the way that you want me to. I commit myself to you now and all the days of my life. I pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Come on, would you give them a hand clap of praise? Church, let me pray for you. Holy Spirit, you see every person in this room, God, most of which are confessing believers. God, I, I just pray that you would help us, God. Lord, help us to not be like the church of Ephesus in Revelation who did all these wonderful things in your name, who, who served and, and did amazing, powerful ministry and yet forgot their first love. Lord, you said you held that charge against them. You have forgotten your first love. Turn back and love me like you once did. So Lord, I just pray even now, God, that we would have a resurgence of that first love, Lord. Take us back to the moment like these gentlemen who accepted you as Lord and Savior. Take us back to the joy of our salvation, God. That moment where we said, yes, Lord. That moment where we, we stood before everyone and we said, I don't care what anyone thinks. I love the one who loved me first. And God, that we would experience that everlasting love, Lord. And that as we, we absorb that love of the Father, as we absorb your love on us, God, that we in turn can love ourselves. Lord, that we would speak to ourselves the way you speak to us. That we would think of ourselves the way you think about us. That we would feel about ourselves the way you feel about us. Lord, that we would not put down what you laid on the cross to lift up. So help us, Father in our minds and in our hearts and our soul and in our strength to love ourselves as we love you, God. That we would learn to treat ourselves not as our sins deserve as you do, God. You say you don't treat us like our sins deserve. Help us to treat ourselves the way you treat us, God. To see ourselves the way you see us. To put ourselves off the hook every now and then and experience the grace that you give us that we would give it to ourselves. Help us, Father, because we can only love others the way we love ourselves. We can only love ourselves the way we love you. So, Father, we thank you for this time where we've gotten to dive into your word 
may it echo in our hearts long after this moment. We pray this all in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone here said? Amen. Amen. Come on, would you give the Lord one more hand clap of praise? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Church, thank you so much. Those of you who accepted the Lord, or maybe if you did it in your heart, but you didn't raise your hand, please take a moment and meet us at the Connect Center. God bless you guys. We will see you Wednesday at the prayer meeting. Have a good one.